evolution were really true, mothers would have about three hands on each side. Amen? Uh, for all the things that they have to do. But, you know, uh, I've seen that mothers do evolve. Uh, I want to point out some ways to you about how evolving mothers, um, how they differ in their second and third child than they do from their first. First of all, let me talk to you about the evolution of their clothes. With the first baby, the mother begins wearing maternity clothes as soon as the doctor tells her that she's pregnant. Now, with the second child, she wears her regular clothes as long as she can. But with the third, third baby, her maternity clothes are her regular clothes. <laughs> Let me tell you about the evolution of preparing for birth. With the first baby, uh, you practice breathing religiously. With the second baby, you don't bother practicing because you know that the breathing doesn't matter anyway. And with the third baby, uh, you schedule your epidural with your first doctor's visit. Amen? <laughs> Let me talk to you about the evolution of your baby's clothes. With the first baby, mothers will pre-wash their children's clothes. They will color coordinate them and they will fold them neatly in their baby's dresser. With the second baby, uh, they check to make sure that the clothes are clean and they throw away the ones only with the darkest stains. But with the third baby, boys can wear pink, can't they? <laughs> Evolution of your worries, moms. With the first baby, mothers will pick up their child at the very first whimper or frown. With the second baby... Mothers pick up their baby only when her wails threaten to wake up the first child. And with the third baby, you teach your third-year-old to rewind the swing. Amen? <laughs> Evolution of the pacifier. When the pacifier falls on the floor with the first baby, you put it away until you can get it home so you can wash it and boil it. With the second child, when the pacifier hits the floor, you pick it up and you squirt it off with the juice from the baby's bottle. And with the third baby, you just wipe it off on your shirt and you put the plug back in. Amen? <laughs> Evolution in diapering. With the first baby, you change your baby's diaper every hour whether they need it or not. With the second baby, you change the diaper if no one else notices within an hour. <laughs> and with the third baby, you wait till other people start complaining or you see the diaper dragging to his knees. <laughs> I've seen that. Wow. I said, I know where your evolution is. Amen. Last one, evolution at home. With the first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing at your newborn child. With the second baby, you spend a good bit of time watching to make sure that the older child isn't squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. And with the third baby, you just spend a good time, good bit of time hiding from all your children. <laughs> Amen. Now, today obviously is a great day. It's a day that we celebrate mothers. But today, especially in our Bible text... It's not your usual Bible text for Mother's Day. Uh, so I want you to pay special attention. Uh, on page 303 
In the Bibles in front of you, in the pews there, uh, you'll find 1 Kings chapter 3. Page 303, 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Perhaps you've heard this story, perhaps you haven't. In verse 16, the scripture says, Now two women who were harlots. Does anybody know what a harlot is? Shout it out if you know it. A prostitute. Now two women who were harlots came to the king, King Solomon, and stood before him. And one woman said, O my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. So she arose in the middle of the night, and she took my son from my side while your maidservant slept, and laid, her, laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son in whom I had given birth. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. And then the king said, bring me a sword. And so they brought a sword before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one of the mothers and the other half to the other mother. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, for they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. You know, there's one problem with a classic story like that. The big problem with a classic story like that is, is we tend to learn the primary lesson but we fail to learn the rest of the story. This story tells us two things. The story obviously tells us that all wisdom comes from God. But secondly, it tells us that God gave the wisdom to Solomon that he requested. You see, he had requested wisdom uh, just before that in verse 9. Take a listen. Therefore, he, Solomon said to the Lord, Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. 
Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and you have not asked for long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor asked for the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there will not be anyone like you or before you, nor shall there be any that arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings in all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Two things. Wisdom comes from God, and God gave Solomon the wisdom that he asked for. But this story also provides some great morals for mother, motherhood. The first moral of motherhood that we see in this particular story is that real moms aren't perfect. How many of you can acknowledge that real moms are not perfect? Now, I don't say this to drag mothers down. I say this to build mothers up. No one on the face of this planet should be treated with more tenderness than our moms. Think about it. No one is more caring, no one is more conscientious than mom. But I think that sometimes we're too hard on moms. I know some children, they're a little too hard on their moms. I know some teenagers, they're a little too hard on moms. I know some adults that are a little bit too hard on moms. I know of a pastor that was just a little bit too hard on his mom. But you know, I think that moms can also be a little bit too hard on themselves. The two mothers in this story were indeed prostitutes. And their babies were apparently conceived through sinful circumstances. Now, that kind of grabs you when you're sitting in church, don't it? That kind of grabs you and make you, makes, you, makes you sit up in your self-righteous church pew. Amen? God's talking about prostitutes in church? I better sit up and take notice about this. Amen? But my question was this. Why did Solomon, one of the greatest kings in all of Israel, why did Solomon, the king over God's great and chosen people, why was he even taking time to worry with two whores? The women and the men who paid for their services were living well outside the will of God. They were living in sin. But have you ever been guilty of that? Everybody do this. Come on, let me see you. We've all been guilty of that, haven't we? We've all been guilty of functioning outside the will of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want you to know that Solomon was concerned for these two women. You know why? Because God was concerned for those two women. Now, I don't have to convince you that the church stands for moral purity. 
There's no doubt about that. The church should stand for moral purity, but listen, the church should also stand for forgiveness and restoration. God is the master of reconciliation. He is the master of restoration. He is the master of forgiveness. These women, they weren't living up to God's perfect ideals, but listen carefully, he loved them. Did you hear me? He loved them. Think about this. Had any of us waited for God to love us because of our good performance, everyone in this room would be out of luck, wouldn't we? And if there's anybody, anybody in whom we should be willing to overlook faults, it should be mom. It should be mom. Why? Because think about it. How many of your faults has mom overlooked? Why don't we cut her a little slack, amen? And overlook the faults of our mom. So lighten up. Lighten up on mom. Mom, lighten up on yourself. I think that moms need to laugh more. I think that moms need to learn to enjoy life more, and it's up to us to help them do that. Motherhood should make you smile. And I want to try to give you a little bit of assistance with that today. I want to read you seven letters from some experts. Actual letters written by kids to God. Dear God, I, I read the Bible. What does begat mean? Nobody will tell me. Love, Allison. Neil writes, Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right there in the church. Is that okay? <laughs> Dear God, the school teacher said that Thomas Edison created light, but in Sunday school they said, You did it. I think he stole your idea. <laughs> Chris writes, Dear God, I want to live 900 years just like that guy in the Bible did. <laughs> Elliot says, Dear God, I think about you even when I'm not praying. Nan says, Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody. I only have four people in my family and I can't do it. <laughs> Charles said, Dear God, I don't think anybody could be a better God than you. And I ain't just saying that because you are God. <laughs> Authentic letters. That should make mom smile. Amen. And if they don't make mom smile then you need to make it your mission to put a smile on mom's face not only today but every day find something to make her smile about today and make it a regular habit life's too short and God is too good to go around frowning all the time but here's another moral of motherhood from our story if you didn't know it Real moms have real problems. Don't look for stress-free motherhood because it does not exist. Amen? From the pains of giving birth to the empty nest syndrome to grandchildren and beyond, motherhood is, let's just face it, it's stressful. It's stressful. Again, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. There is good news in all this, and the good news is this. 
When you're stressed out, mom, God is willing and God is able to assist you with any problems you might encounter. Solomon didn't give, or God didn't give Solomon this wisdom so that folks could stand around and go, ooh, ah, you're so wise. God gave Solomon wisdom for a purpose. God not only loved those two prostitute mothers, God also loved this little baby in the story. And so God dispatched his wisdom to Solomon to save that child. Can I just tell you, I think that God wants all of us to be about the business of saving children, even unborn children. And for you parents, God has unlimited wisdom to give you. Unlimited wisdom, unlimited wisdom to spare. He can guide and provide. He can help you uh, in, no matter what stage of motherhood you might find yourself. You might be a single mom. You might be a foster mom. You might be a stepmom. You might be an adoptive mom. You might be a, a mom in a special, special situation. You name it, God can give you wisdom in all those situations. Many kids today have special needs, and you know that's okay, because God has wisdom you need for that task too. He can teach you what you ought to do, and he can teach you what you ought to say in every situation and in every problem you encounter. So there's no such thing as a perfect mother, but there ain't no such thing as a perfect person either, is there? And God has all the answers for mother's problems but there is a third and final moral for mothers in this story and that is real moms have real passion see the real mom in this story would rather see another woman raise her child than to see that child hurt in any way see you have to be willing to give up some things if you're going to be a real mom. You have to be willing to give up some things if you're going to be a, a good mother. From observation, I found that personal sacrifice is the pivotal part of motherhood. It begins by sacrificing their own bodies, carrying around a child in their womb for nine months. No mother's child should ever get over that sacrifice. Our mothers fed us, nourished us, cherished us, protected us with their own bodies before we even saw the light of day. I don't know anybody carrying me around for nine months, amen? But a mother's sacrifice doesn't end there. Because mothers just keep on giving. They just keep on giving. They give up sleep for midnight feedings. They give up personal goals to help their children achieve their goals. I mean, ask yourself, how many times did you get a new outfit while mom was wearing the same old stuff? How many times did you get the extra helping and 
Mom didn't. We honor moms for all the giving they do and all the giving they've done. You see, God gave us moms to remind us of him. Moms remind us of God who is sacrificial and giving. Think about that. God gave his only son for a world of wayward children. On Wednesday nights, we get the privilege of seeing some wayward children. <laughs> we get to deal with them for about two hours, but y'all got them the rest of the time, amen? <laughs> Praise God. But God gave his own son for wayward kids. Mom gives their lives for the good kids and the wayward kids. And I just want to say this morning that that kind of love should not go unnoticed. Not just on Mother's Day, but every day. That kind of love should not go unappreciated. Not just on Mother's Day, but every day. So I want to encourage you to realize that mom's kind of love should not go without a response. I encourage you to respond to your mom with great love and great appreciation. And I also encourage you to respond to your God who made moms with the same love and the same appreciation. Do you know that God wants you to be his child? And the scriptures say, But as many as received him, his son Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I can't think of a better way to honor your mama than to come to the Lord who created her for you. If the Lord is leading you to make a decision this morning to give your life to Christ, or perhaps you just have a prayer concern you just want to lift up, I can't think of a better time or a better place than to honor God, to honor your mama, and honor your Savior. Let me pray for you. Father God, once again, we praise you and thank you for creating moms with all of the personality traits and all many of the wonderful gifts that you yourself have, Father. Father, we're thankful to be able to see glimpses of God in our mothers. Lord, I pray in the name of 